to the Skeptic Wire. This is the Wire. takes us to get through the stuff we want to talk about. Yep. Unfortunately, only one of us knows what they're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we'll play it by ear. We'll figure yeah. it out. So, hello! 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 I'll just uh, put a old version of Greg in there, so to fill it up there. Or maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll multi-track us. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Special. <laughs> Aren't we? So, it is... Episode 83 of the Skeptic Wire for 8th of November 2012. Or is it 84? 83. It's episode 83 of the Skeptic Wire for the 8th of November 2012. I am your host, Gary Law, and with me this week is host Donna Swafford. Hello, everyone. And the host... Uh, Greg? Greg! Greg Perrine is not with us this week. That's right, he he goes, I just can't remember his name, doesn't even remember what he looks like. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just yeah, he took off for Skepticon uh, this morning, early, 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 and just arrived recently. Yeah, was texting on the road. Bad, Greg, bad, no donut for you. That's right. Knowing how he is, he was probably in the fast lane texting, going through Dallas. That damn drivers. <laughs> For those of you unfamiliar with Greg, please go look him up on his Twitter. I was it Facebook. Mando Gerg. Yeah, Mando Gerg. Mando Gerg. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter. Anyway, hope you have fun up in uh, Skepticon. Yeah, say hi to PZ for all of us. Um, I don't know who else. JT Eberhardt's going to be there. Yeah. I can't it's going to be a lot of else. people. But Don and I aren't because you know we because <laughs> we have. Lives and jobs and yeah. school and schools, schools for me, jobs for for both of us, and job for for Donna. Yeah, I have a job that's like eight yeah. jobs. Not to say that Greg doesn't have a job. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Wait, I mean he does. He, he does. does have a job. Greg, Greg does have a job, uh, but uh, it's a cool job where he gets to take days off and and go traveling. Yes. What is this? days off thing that you speak of i don't know aren't you on two weeks uh yeah <laughs> supposedly i'm on i'm on vacation time and for our listeners there were a couple of air quotes around that vacation word because i pretty much spent the past three days um putting out fires and when we're done with this guess what i gotta go put out some more yeah she's not a fire person She's a fire printer, I was her person. And fire, in her case, means problems with people needing Skittles and, and have large egos. Yes. And actually, it's Kit Kats and green tea. Ah. Oh, so not green M&M's, green tea. Yes. So that's green. actually a lot easier to deal with. I don't want any green Oh, I want green tea and not all that brown tea. Yeah, stuff. it's not so easy at 1130 at night, though, when you have some wannabe drama queen going, I can't go on without my Kit Kat and green tea. And I'm all like, I'm going to... We're three weeks into the production. She, we're over a barrel. Yep. Anyway, 
Moving on. So we have uh, we have birthdays. We have, we birth- have birthdays this week, and today in particular, we have a, no. There was there were no birthdays today. Didn't you know that that's in the Constitution that there's oh. no birthdays on the Thursday after elections? Ah, they canceled them. Oh, okay, fine, fine. Before we do the birthdays. There were elections, people won, some good things happened, some bad things happened, mostly good. Yay! Yay. Uh, for those of you who are overseas who somehow missed all of the news by, I don't know, you must be in the Taliban living in the cave. Why are you listening to this <laughs> podcast? <laughs> not really sure why you're listening, but thank you for listening. Yeah, and how? I don't know. But um, uh, Barack Obama won another four years to uh, lead the country. Uh, Nate, Silver's, Nate Silver's projections were right spot on, as they say. Yes, that, yes, very, very good. Yay, maths. Yay, science. <laughs> uh, um, if, if you really want to uh, watch something hilarious, there, uh, go on to YouTube and look up uh, prediction, prediction yeah. fail. Look up prediction fail 2012 elections. You'll have a blast. All right, uh, some or really also good. Go look at Glenn Beck crying. Glenn Beck crying, or uh, Carl, Carl Rove, Rove failed. Up. Okay. So uh, that being said, that's uh, all we're going to talk about. It. Yeah. We're uh, done. Okay. Except good things. Gay marriage, pot legal in some states. Um, what was the one that you? Uh, GMOs. GMOs GMO failed. failed. Yeah. Uh, so okay, great. Oh, and apparently. Women have a legitimate way to shut down candidates who advocate rape. Yeah. They don't advocate rape. They just advocate not doing anything about it. Uh, you're right. Uh, who advocate, I don't know, something. Uh, basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, advocate that women don't have rights over their bodies. Yes. So, that being said, all you have to look forward is another week of people analyzing what happened, and we're not going to do that either and now. So we're done. Boom. Yeah. Out. Birthdays! Birthdays! <laughs> Jack Kilby. Jack Kilby. Jack Kilby. He was He's born... The, wait, was he the comic book artist? No. Oh, no, that was Jack Kirby. Kirby, yeah. Uh, he, so... was, he, was, he was the... Doctor on T... No, that was Kildare. Yes, Damn it! And he also he also didn't come up with the cool vacuum cleaner, of which I own one, which would also be a Kirby. No, it's Kilby. Uh, Kilby. Kilby. Not kill Eric the Halfaby. Kilby. This guy is cool. Very important person in our lives. Why? Number one. Because I've never heard of him. Uh, you, you, you probably have. But you forgot that because you're an anthropologist, not an electrical engineer like I am. Ooh. Jack Kilby, Jack St. Clair Kilby, born November 8th, 1923, and unfortunately he died in 2005 after living a full life. Well, a full <laughs> life is a good thing to a have. A full life where he received the Nobel Prize. Ooh. Shared the Nobel Prize, I believe, with uh, Robert Noyce. Both of these guys... Worked for Texas Instruments and developed the first integrated circuit. That is pretty awesome. That is great. Because without it, we wouldn't, one, probably have this podcast. Yeah, because I'm looking around and there's a lot of integrated circuits here. <laughs> yeah. I do I do have a uh, reel-to-reel tape player. In fact, I, I still have a VCR 
and so do I. a tape deck. So do I. And a reel to reel, uh, a quarter inch reel to reel four track. Uh, oh, but like a professional one. But that's integrated circuits. It's not running off of tubes. That is so awesome. Yes. But not only did he develop the integrated circuit with Robert Noyce, he also was the inventor of the handheld calculator. And in fact, holds the patent for a miniature handheld calculator, which means it fits in your hand. And he came up with the I thermal a miniature handheld calculator fit in like I don't know. Well, your remember, palm? remember, remember when this came, when he developed this. So back then, calculators were, we're like made out of tubes jig- and jiggernormous. <laughs> yes, and they're talking about having a single computer that fits, or a computer that fits into a single room. <laughs> so he came up with the handheld calculator and the thermal printer. It's actually pretty cool. He's a cool guy. Yeah. Yep. Right in the right environment. And way to go. So And so I guess we should say thank you, Jack thank Kilby. Thank you, Jack Kilby. Absolutely. A toast to Jack Kilby. Pling. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're drinking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because we can. Because we can. But there's actually another birthday. Is there? Yes. Somebody very famous. Hmm. Um modern cinema has had a Direct influence because of him. Hmm. Probably know him by his work starring Keanu Reeves and Gary Oldman. Hmm. Uh, Point Break. No. Which? Oh. <laughs> oh, by the way, that's actually playing in San Antonio later this month. It's just okay. a side note. Okay. Uh, so if you're in San Antonio, go look it up. Probably yep. in the repertory theater. Not the repertory theater. The uh, draft house. Draft house. Yeah. Uh, uh, quote quote lines along. Quote along. The quote alongs. Yes, I think it is. I think it's a quote along yeah. quote. Um, um, actually, no. Bram Stoker's birthday is today. Oh, Bram Stoker, of course. Oh, sure. Keanu Reeves uh, hemorrhaging titty. Yep. Nipple. Much. <laughs> Keanu and Reeves hemorrhaging nipple. nipple. Yeah, that was that was cinematic glory right there. Yeah, but it had Gary Oldman. That's true. Yeah. And was Winona Ryder? Win- yes, it was Winona Ryder. So that's good. why I get paid the big bucks. There you go. So Bram Stoker, who wrote Dracula, did he have any other successes other than Dracula? Not really. <laughs> oh, that's that, that was the one that kind of like you know just like eclipsed him, and he always became known for it, and pretty much um lived off of that. You know, I mean. But I mean, he really did start the horror genre with it. So, because hmm. it wasn't long before you started seeing like Frankenstein and everything else, and then you see the profound effect that it had on cinema, especially early cinema with like Nosferatu and all of that. Sure. So, and we will not blame him for sparkling vampires. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hold on. Rant number one of the day, because I had this rant earlier today. The Twilight series. Does nobody get it that Edward is a pedophile? Does no- I know all of these women who are all like, oh, my God, it's so romantic. And I'm all like, he's a hundred something year old guy macking on a 16 year old, 17 year old. Going marriage. to high school. Right. And they're all like, well, no, he was turned when he was like 17. So they're like the same age. And I'm all like, just because he stopped the aging process. His brain didn't. He is right. mentally, cognitively 
an adult, would you like He's your, not a priest. Right. That's true. <laughs> would you let your 16-year-old daughter go out with a 40-year-old? Hell no. So why the fuck are you patronizing this piece of crap? I just, this yeah. is something that blows here's, here's my mind. Question, because he has, uh, Edward has a lot of uh, friends who are also about the same age. Right. Do they also all hang out in high school? I don't know. I saw the first one, and I fortunately I got to see it at the draft house. So there was a lot of alcohol involved. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> okay. once that because I like I hit I never read the books. I tried to read the book. Really? I tried. I read the first chapter because I have you know family and friends oh, who are yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. god, it's so wonderful. You have to read it. I, I I couldn't get through the first chapter. Have Have you read Harry Potter? Yes. Okay, so you got through Harry Potter, but you couldn't get through the Twilight. Movie. I could not get through Twilight. It was like I was like, oh my god, that's this pretty is- poor because Harry Potter had some good ideas, but the writing was kind of uh, was meh. Well, this- actually, the, the first one was pretty cool because it was original, and then the next five were all were pretty much the same as the first formulaic. one. Formulaic. Yeah, very, very, very formulaic. Except they had really cool little bits. So yeah. it's, it's like it's the little bits that were cool, right? And some cool grand ideas. So between the two, I can overlook the, the crappy mm. writing. But on the other hand, it's not made for me. It's made for people who are who are first starting out at age eight or eleven right. or twelve, and then growing up with them. So it's really not targeted towards towards yeah, adults. Us. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, they're good books, and they're solid and everything. Like I said, I couldn't get through this. And then, so I, when I went into the first movie, I had no idea about the whole sparkly shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing I I know about Twilight at all, is the sparkly shit. Right, and so I saw that, and I was all like, oh my god, get me more alcohol. Because I can't, I can't do this. So, skeptically speaking... Sparkly vampires leads to alcoholism. Yes. Yes. There, there's, there is a correlation and there's definite causation. <laughs> and I am that living proof. And I'm sure my liver didn't appreciate it. Right. If you'd like to poke holes in that argument, leave a note on the blog. <laughs> but there we go. So that was rant number one. I'm sure we'll have a couple more by the end of this. Quite possibly. So, um, you've been wanting to talk about something for the last couple of weeks, so yeah. we'll move on to that. Uh, and even though it doesn't have anything to do with politics, it's about the Dukakis baby? No, it's the Dukakis baby. It's D-I-K-I-K-A-S. And it's, okay. uh, um, and it's that's a- not the name of Dukakis's boat. No. No, not. I was trying to think of what was the name of the boat that Gary Hart yeah, got that caught was, on. That's the one I was thinking. Of. <laughs> and it's uh, something like like Tiger Beat or, or, or <laughs> Tiger Beat. <laughs> no, isn't it, that like a Teen Magazine? No, but it is something that like is just like. Wait, why do I know that? <laughs> it's not. It's not Tiger Beat, but it's something that is like very you know implied the situation that ah, he got caught okay, in. Right. But it's not. So what is the Dukakis baby? The Dukakis baby is also known as, as Salam. That's kind of the um, official name. Salam. That means peace or peace. something, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, several years ago, I think it's actually 11 years ago, there was a find in um, Central Africa in this area that's known for fossil finds. Um, and they found a 
three-year-old juvenile, what they suspect is female. They've It's never been confirmed because, you know, it's kind of a ratio thing, um, of an australopithecine. The great thing about this is that the majority of the skeleton has been completely found. And how old then is an australopithecine? This one is... How old then is an... I'll get through this word. Australopithecine. This one is about 3.3 million years old. It's about 100,000 years older than Lucy. Okay, so probably not in the same family. Actually, yes. I mean, immediate family. Right, not in the immediate family. (laughs) But it has also been nicknamed Lucy's Baby because of the area. And and, and it actually was, I think, only found like 10 kilometers from where they found Lucy. Oh, okay. So, so, which also implies that those groups kind of would stay in the same place, right? Um, the great thing about this is, is like I said, I mean, they found it eleven years ago, five years ago. They really started to talk about, you know, hey, papers are going to start to be released about this. Um, so they found it five years ago. No, they found it eleven years 11 ago. Eleven years ago, and only five years ago they started talking about papers. Right. That's a long gap between find and. Right, Paper that's writing. because it was cased in sandstone, Okay. and they've literally had to basically chip out the sandstone bit by bit oh. to to get the, the bones out. It's been a very arduous process, and because of the fact that there's it's a small child and some of those bones are really, really small. Yeah, you know. and sandstone, so it's probably blending in with the colors. Right. So, it's, so if you're anal retentive uh, and have great attention to detail... The paleontologists and anthropologists have work for you. Yep, pretty much. Um, one of the when I was in in graduate school, one of the big things that they were always talking about was getting to look at the feet because feet were going to give us some idea about you know whether or not they had basically like an articulated big toe. And not 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 the shoes, but the feet. Right, the feet. Okay. Yeah, they didn't really wear shoes. Oh, okay, because you know then that would definitely give away probably if it was female or male. Yep. <laughs> Or gay. Got <laughs> yeah, three years old. Okay, one of the one of the papers that just came out is um, talking about uh, shoulder bones, actually the scapula, and is really just oh my god, incredible because um, scapula bones are not normally found. Okay, scapula is the back shoulder. Yeah, the back shoulder, yeah. um, not the shoulder blade. It's the sh- it's part of the shoulder blade. Part, okay. Um, the shoulder blade works into the ball and socket where you're, it meets up with your humerus at your shoulder. Um, and it basically it's, it rotates in, okay. um, at a place called, um, the glenoid cavity and it's got a humeral process, all of that, all of that science stuff. Basically people, if you're wondering what it is, there's a really cool resource you can use called the internet. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already on it. Yeah. Um, man, yeah, being rude to our listeners. <laughs> um, now, in modern, anatomically modern humans, um, the uh, acromion process where everything meets faces downward. We do not have the ability. It it just it faces faces downward when you're a juvenile, and then it rotates out as you grow. Okay. In both Lucy and Salam, it faces upward like an ape. This is huge news. Okay. This means that they were capable and comfortable in an arboreal environment, in the trees. Okay. 
because one of the big arguments over what makes humans humans is when did we come down from the trees? And Lucy and Salam both show an affinity for both environments. Okay. So this is actually really big news. And of course, Answers in Genesis has jumped all over it because all of a sudden it's, you know, it's not a true humanoid and oh, blah, whatever. Wait, wait. How do you know about Answers in Genesis jumping all over it? Because I went and looked it up today. <laughs> See? Science. Looking at dissenting opinions. Yep. <laughs> Granted, there's a strictly an opinion. Right. And- <laughs> um, in addition, one of the things that they have found in Salam is the hyoid bone which is the only non-articulated bone in the human skeleton. It's in your throat. It actually does not connect to anything. Okay. And that, that's what articulated means then? Yeah. Okay. It, well, articulated means that it's it, there's a bone-to-bone okay. connection. So this is this floats around? It floats. Yeah. Hmm? Your hyoid bone floats. And it's what breaks when they, somebody um, strangles you. Okay. Huh. And it is... One of the many things that is responsible for speech and vocalizations. Okay, so it's a fairly fragile bone, then. Yes, it's fairly fragile. And in Salam's case, it is, once again, similar to chimpanzee and gorilla. So it's really starting, it's kind of this meld, you know, and I will not use the term missing link. because. Right. So, so now remind me then, if all of these features are part of Lucy and now Salam... Mm-hmm. What distinguishes them then from an ape? So we, we've done the, the ape-like features. So how does this, why are they saying that Lucy is such an important transitional? Right. Uh, because she, her lower half of her body mm-hmm. is not ape-like. Aha. Um, the hip joints are uh, wider and they come at more of an angle. More like a human then. To the, to the knee. And then the, from the knee to the ankle is straight. So this is very different. Um, our knees are enlarged. Um, and our pl- our foot, human foot and uh, Salam's foot, act more like a platform rather than a grip. Okay. So those are some of the important things. In addition, one of the other things that has been found which I guess is why they're not really concentrating on the feet so much right now, much more this this scapula find, is several years ago, I think it was 76, Maeve Leakey found um, footprints in an area that they have confirmed to be Australopithecine. They're very human-like. Um, part of the reason that there were some big questions was is that it was three individuals, but it was two sets of footprints with a smaller set, basically a kid following behind, walking in mommy, daddy's footprints. Okay. Uh, Big volcano explosion, everything gone, but these footprints remain preserved. Hmm. Uh, The Lytoli footprints. And they're just, you know, it shows that Australopithecines, because they can, they can date the volcanic explosion, walked upright. There's right. no knuckle marks. There's no any of the, you know, any of the other, what you would think of as traditional non-human primate. Right. They weren't knuckle draggers. Right. Well, there's, um, knuckle walking and fist walking mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of others that you can do. None of that is seen. So primarily they were, and they stood upright, which I mean has its own disadvantages. 
Um, plus, you, you get into the whole process of, like, the foramen magnum is situated directly underneath the skull, which means that their neck, pro, their neck and spine are directly underneath, as opposed to, like, in a dog or a, an ape, it is slightly further back. Right, where they can then look forward while their uh, torso is more horizontal to the right. ground. So, there you go. Okay, it's a really big fine. Papers are just now, like, literally 11 years later, papers are starting to come out. So it took them five years, uh, five to six years to remove the bones. To remove a lot of the sandstone. And then now it's been five to six years. years in analysis. Analysis. That's that's just amazing. That's a, that's a long-term view. <laughs> well, you know, when you're talking about human evolution and you're talking about these transitional fossils and this this record because of places like Answers in Genesis. Everybody's crossing their T's and dotting their I's. Mm-hmm. And they are, when these papers are being put out, there is no, there's, a, you know, a little bit of minor refutation of, well, I don't exactly see it that way. I see it more this way sort of thing. Sure. But there is, everybody is on the same page of these are, Maybe not direct human ancestors, but these are part of our lineage. Right. Whether so, they're cousins or eighth cousins or whatever. Yeah. So it, it's it's kind of like the analysis that we have of these bones, of these former beings, is in line with the knowledge that we have gained over the past however many yeah. century of, of doing this stuff. And with the knowledge of evolution and our current take on science yeah, and the sciences, which unlike answers in Genesis, you have to, you have to be in, in the, the, what's the word? It has to follow. Right. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't just say, Oh, well these, these were obviously ape like, well, like that's why I was asking these questions. How do they know the difference between an ape and a human? Right. And and so since this has both of these traits, you can say that this is some, a, trans- a transition, some some sort of transitional fossil. But yeah. the standing rule is is that for every transitional fossil you find, you need to find two more to explain that one. Right. Yeah. You know, because everybody wants to believe that you know this human evolution is this nice. And I'm going to quote Doctor Who: cause to effect, a nice linear progression. Mm-hmm. But it's not, you know, humans kind of went, you know, went over to the left and then we went over the right and, you know, we kind of sat down for a long time and thought about what we were going to do next. Yeah. So uh, are you, are you then part of the, uh, what is it, the Gould uh, hypothesis of the, of the very fast uh, uh, and violent. Punctuated equilibrium. Punctuated, yeah. Um, I am, I'm. Probably more of a Gould person than I would like to admit. Yeah. I, and that makes a little bit more sense to me because if you don't have to change, you generally won't right. change. And so it, you need a change in the environment, or you have to force the change on among on by by moving where you're at. Right. So you you change. Um, but in in the past, then 
they didn't have a lot of choice because they roamed, but the only thing that would get them out of that area is if something drastic changed in the area that they're at, right. which would push them into a new Right, and that's area. the whole uh, behind, um, like, allopatric speciation, which we see definitively with, like, Darwin's finches. Mm-hmm. We see clear-cut allopatric speciation in Darwin's finches, where certain things have happened, and so each group has found its little niche, mm-hmm. you know, and... God, I love evolution. <laughs> and that, well, that's effectively what happened with the humans anyway, right. because they grew apart. Some people, let's say this large group started going out of Africa, and at some point some people said, hey, let's go back, and the other part moved into the Middle East and then over yeah. into Europe, right? Yep. And we kind of see what happened over that long period of time. And they were walking. Right. <laughs> so it takes a while to get from Well, and you also see it with... Bonobos and chimpanzees, because up until the 1950s, bonobos were considered um, pygmy chimpanzees. They were considered smaller chimps. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really, once we started getting into actual DNA analysis in the late 80s, early 90s, and everything else, it really did, that was what finally confirmed it up of, no, these are two totally different species. Even though they share 98% of the same genetic markers, there are distinct differences between bonobo and chimpanzee. And you also see it socially, whereas you don't, you might not see it as much physically. Mm-hmm. Socially wise, they are completely different. Yeah. But we have that within, uh, within uh, humans. Human. I mean, just look at, you know, we're not going to get that up. You can see different groups of people, especially in religious sects, yeah. <laughs> uh, how we treat Right, but genetically-wise, there are distinct overall patterns where it's different. There are swaths of the DNA, of nuclear DNA that are... And we talked about this before. Chimpanzee DNA, bonobo DNA, and human DNA. Chimps and, and humans will share at some point. Bonobos and humans will share at some point, And chips and bonobos share at some point. But those are not really crossing lines. So, you know, it's this really good kind of mix for our, our cousins, you know, that, that are still hanging from the trees. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Like I said, this is, and I know that there's going to be more papers coming out. Um, when this came out, I mean, it like literally flooded the anthropology blogs and everything else. So be honestly, be expecting me to talk more about this. Because I will. Yeah. Because this is where I get my geek on. <laughs> well, cool. Well, thank Speaking you. Speaking of getting my geek on today, <laughs> have you bought the new Superman comic book? Uh, with a certain astronomer in this? Yes, I just picked mine up today. Oh no, I, I saw Action that. Action Comics. Pretty cool. Action Comics. It has Neil deGrasse Tyson in it, and they appear to have found the birthplace uh, of, well, Krypton. They found, they found Krypton. Krypton, and uh, he's pointing it out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you see, I, I know this because I, I went to Phil Plate's blog. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So no, I haven't. I haven't picked it up. But you know, it's a good, good geeky thing. Go. Well, what's funny is I went in and picked it up today. And I'm in there, and the guy, you know, was like, oh, are you a comic book girl? I was like, well, no, I'm really kind of a, a Marvel girl, but, you know, I really wanted this. And he was like, well, why? And I said, 
because it has Neil deGrasse Tyson. And even the guy in the comic book store, really? It has Neil? I have to pick it up then. <laughs> and so we're like, he and I just had this geeky bonding moment over Neil deGrasse Tyson. And he's like, yeah, I've been watching Cosmos. And, you know, he's getting ready to do the new Cosmos. It was, yeah, it was, totally. it was, oh my God, it was like, Oh, he's been watching Cosmos, and a new one's coming yeah, out. Okay, yeah, the comic book store guy was <laughs> has been watching Cosmos, and is really excited about when um, Seth MacFarlane puts out yeah. the new Cosmos with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Exactly. So excellent. Another geeky moment there for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So going from anthropology to uh, to yeah. which is a a good science based on uh, a lot of research and uh, connecting the dots. We move to something which is uh, sort of could be anthropological, but... It's anthropologically related. Yeah, but really isn't. The search for Bigfoot. Uh, we've been talking about, but not us, people have been talking about Bigfoot since... Uh, a while. Uh, a long time. And so far, there's been zero for evidence of a Bigfoot. Now, I actually know one of the cryptozoologists here in town. Huh? Yeah. Nice guy. Crazy, rabid big, Bigfoot hunter. <laughs> but Travel Channel pays him to go, like, all over the world every summer and... Try hunt, and find Bigfoot. Try and find Bigfoot. And I go, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I found Bigfoot in Vegas. Right. So there's a new attempt to oh, find Oh, is that what that margarita Bigfoot? was named? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's what I found in Vegas. Oh, <laughs> it was there a you go. Big ass margarita. Big fuzzy margarita. Well, it made me a fuzzy. Major, major, major uh, tongue furry the next day. <laughs> yeah, it made me fuzzy. <laughs> so there's a, a new attempt to find Bigfoot, and instead of traipsing around in the dark with infrared cameras, or with trip wires, and none of which seemed are to manage to f- take pictures of anything. Uh, maybe you get uh, a nice deer or a bear. Uh, they are going into the sky with a blimp. A dirigible? A dirigible, yes. That's awesome. Or is a deer risible? Ha ha ha! Ha ha ha! There is a scientist, Jeffrey Meldrum, who is a bona fide anthropologist guy. He's also got um, degrees in health sciences or anatomy. Anatomy. anatomy, He's he's an expert in feet and feet type pattern things. So he would probably look at the Laetoli footprints and go, those are human-like. Yeah. And so, uh, legitimate, he works for the Idaho Museum of Idaho, Natural History. Idaho State University. Yep. So, he's a professor there. But he's trying to get $300,000 together to buy a blimp. And through private donation. He's yes. not actually not going through his university. Yeah, which is admirable. He's not trying to get a grant and make this a true, legitimate, or trying to... He's trying to keep it legitimate without wasting... Um, valuable research money. Which, you know what? Considering the controversial nature of Bigfoot hunting amongst... Everybody, except for Bigfoot hunters. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to say real scientists, but that's that would be a, a, a slight on him. Yeah. You know, uh, there was the great Brian Dunning quote that basically said, we need to stand up for scientists like 
Dr. Meldrum, who are asking those questions. Yes. You know, truly is a skeptic in that respect. And he's, from all signs, he's trying to do this as a legitimate scientific experiment. He's trying to make it so they actually find something and isn't going to uh, fall for the... Um, fuzzy photograph. Fuzzy, fu- fuzzy photograph or the... You know, the ghost slamming the door off camera and then spinning around to see that. Close. You know, I, I've got an app on my phone that we could put Bigfoot on anything. <laughs> yeah, he Just, doesn't want that. So he wants to get a, a blimp, a dirigible, and launch it over... Russia, is it? I know he was talking about Russia or something. Doesn't say. No, he's just going to get... We don't know yet. We don't know where he's going. Yeah, but presumably someplace where they're are supposedly hanging out. This is a good idea. The other thing that should happen... I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be in Utah. Um, there is, is Bigfoot a, big in Utah? Well, it says, the idea for this novel project originated with a Utah man named William Barnes, who claims to have seen Bigfoot in 1997. Meldrum and Barnes are hoping to raise the money through donations and selling the broadcast rights to cable television shows. So I'm kind of thinking they're probably doing it in that area. Uh, not necessarily. Simply because uh, Bigfoot people will gets travel. Gets around. Yeah. And Bigfoot gets around. Yeah. And He's seen kind of all over the place. Yeah. Belize, Russia. Usually, I mean... Pacific Northwest. Yeah, Pacific Northwest is where I would, well, I think. Regardless. You know what? doesn't matter. They're going to get a blimp. They're going to take pictures. And they're going to find something. Now, what would be even more interesting? If they could find... Another use for all of this data they're going to get. Hmm, what? What? I don't know. I'm sure that there's plenty of uh, wildlife, uh, wildlife specialists who want to know in how a square mile, how many deer or bears or rabbits or whatever else they find. Environmental they scientists. Yes. Uh, yeah, put, but- yeah, put some, put some uh, sensors on this blimp. That takes data where they are, GPS, so they know where they're at, and they can figure out how much pollution's changing. You know, there's all kinds of things they can do at the same time yep. and make this a a broader, legitimate scientific project instead of just being uh, a camera on a blimp to try and find Bigfoot. <laughs> right. My my only issue is is that if you go further down in the article. It says, nothing else has worked, so Meldrum has wisely decided to change tactics. Will this latest project succeed in getting hard evidence where everything else has failed? It's not clear, as much of the area is heavily wooded. So Bigfoot should be able to easily hide under trees to escape detection. Uh, I'm just saying, you, even using infrared <sighs> cameras, it's not clear how a heat signature from Bigfoot would be distinguished from, say, a bear, moose, or other large animal. Well, one would assume that if the resolution on the infrared camera is high enough, they would be able to get a shape uh, based on movement. And Um, and they are looking for, a back to what we previously talked about, a bipedal animal. It's been known, of course, that bears can walk on their hind legs. Moose Not and deer. For long distances, though. Right. right. So. But if the Yeti is as smart as it must be to escape detection since oh. In Search of made it so popular, uh, that would be in the 70s. 
I think it would probably be able to hear a blimp and walk on all fours to imitate a bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, you know, if we're, we're going to admit it if, it, if it has managed to escape this much detection, that Yeti is pretty damn smart. Pretty damn smart. Or so few that it can't possibly be real. <laughs> you have to have a breeding population. And yep. considering how widespread these things are, I think that someone said, I mean, you have, you have to have like, uh, like a, a hundred or so just in one area, just so you don't get horrible, nasty inbreeding disease stuff. Yeah. Prion diseases and. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so good luck to you. Good luck. Uh, you know, and if you find something, you know, we'll invite you to be on the awesome. Skeptic Wire. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, if they find something, that would be awesome. That'd you know what? Fantastic. There is part of me that wants to wants them to find something. You know, it could be great. It's but they're not going to. Right. It's that classic <laughs> line of, and you know, here I'm going to quote another movie. Quote Highlander here. It's that finding a 747 a thousand years before the Wright brothers ever th- flew. Yeah. There is something totally wonderful and awesome about that. The scientist in me screams and goes, shut the fuck up, because you know it ain't going to happen. <laughs> Good luck to you. Um, well, keep an eye on this. Yeah. How about how about sending off, I don't know, small, like, GoPros on on weather balloons and just have them, just have them straight down with GPS locators and so you can sync that up. That would be the easy way to do it. And that would be the smart way, because generally speaking, a balloon doesn't make any noise. But a dirigible, you have to steer it, and therefore it has motor and and, and uh, uh, twirly blade noises. Thingies and yeah. all of that stuff that you understand that I go, And you have to be, you have to control the thing. So you have to be fairly close to this blimp or have a control wire. So even there... I mean, yeah, there's, like there are exactly several things. <laughs> to me, there are several things wrong with this project. There's a lot. But on, on the other hand, he might think he might be thinking everybody goes up in the blimp, so you actually have people on the blimp. Could very well be. So okay, well, good luck to you. I think it's a waste of money. Yeah, but it's not government money, so let's let's That's just true. be happy for that. I was going to compare it to the six billion dollars spent this last. Uh, two years but we're not talking about politics anymore no we're not talking about politics tonight <laughs> but, mainly because we're both tired of it yeah but there is uh there is some good news on the social front which is sort of political but not in the united states really where would recently um there has been a lot of i shouldn't say a lot recently there has been many reports Coming out of the Middle East, Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, Egypt, of women and girls getting acid thrown in their in their faces, and the for most wanting to go to school for wanting to go to school, or, or in the case looking, of the in the case of the most recent one, some parents threw acid on their teen daughter and killed her because she looked at a guy on a motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, we won't discuss that. No, because, because I, I, it'll I, just piss both of us off. I'm, I'm already upset. Okay. So what's been happening in Cairo are vigilantes because vigilantes who are throwing who, who, acid no, on vigilantes who are watching out 
for people, mainly men, for men who are harassing women. Awesome. So the cops do nothing. No, they don't. Because In fact, there was a, a recent article. Well, hold on. We'll back up for a moment. So what they're doing is when they find uh, someone who's harassing a woman, they surround him and then they mark him with, uh, according to the picture I saw in this article, uh, white paint. They spray painted this guy in the face with white paint as oh, a mark of shame. That is freaking awesome. Yeah. So they're not beating him up. Uh, they are holding him uh, in a headlock. Okay, that's it, not going to kill him no, unless no, it's, it's not. It's not going to. And the, the thing is, so, so this is really cool on on the from the idea of it of these guys going around basically generally protecting uh, uh, people, women folk. women in the area since women are as much as they try and deny it, they are third class citizens. Yep. Uh, and, and in Cairo, they're really not supposed to be because it's supposed to be a progressive area. But they, but the problem is, without the Reformation, uh, the religion in the area doesn't know not to be assholes to women. And since so they do have the fundamentalist problem, uh, it's the fundamentalists who are harassing women. So, these uh, teenagers, young kids, no, I shouldn't even say young kids, uh, young adults... Yeah. Because they're running from late teens into their 20s and maybe early 30s, are are going around as vigilantes. Now, according to the article I read, they interviewed a, a police officer who said, oh, yeah, it's a great idea, laughed about it, and then went back to drinking his tea. <laughs> well, you know, it is it is the reverse of, of slut-shaming. You know, it's yeah. it really is. And maybe by doing this... They'll change opinions one at a time because that's the big thing. You know, all women are sluts, you know, therefore get right back down to it. We ate of the apple. We asked for the head of John the Baptist, all of that jazz. Bada bing, bada boom. Therefore, we're able. And it's never the men that are responsible for it. You know, a young girl. No, actually, that's a good point. Let's, let's, Let's stop right there for a moment because... The whole point uh, in 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 this ideology, the point of the men is they're supposed to be protectors and taking care of the woman. So where the hell was the man in all of this? Yeah. Why wasn't the man protecting the woman from herself? So why why don't the men get the blame? Well, I guess we do. We're like we're just mm, it's our fault. So now we really have to make sure they don't do shit. Right, but it's the oh. case of never mind women. Women are, you know, and, and it's something that I really honestly cannot wrap my head around. This whole thing of a woman is, you know, responsible for her own gang rape, even yeah. if she's in a fucking burqa. Okay. Yeah, or unable to uh, speak uh, like the girl who was raped, but they said that right. she didn't fight hard enough. Right. But. You know, it's oh, not the God, guys who actually physically, again. it's not the guys who physically, you know, I don't know, rape. No, no, it was her, her ankles turned me on so much I couldn't stop my lust. Right. So, but the side of that is, what are they saying about the men, though? That men are animals. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, it's this weird, twisted logic that I, 
I honestly, I shake my head and I just go, how is it? We're, you know, humans are supposed to be progressive and we're supposed to be, you know, the dominant species on this planet. We're not supposed to be animals. Right. We're not supposed to be animals, but apparently my ankles can turn men into, into raging lunatics. I don't get it. Yeah. Well, but you know what? I, I'm glad to see younger men taking a stand and saying this type of behavior is unacceptable. Yes. And they're not throwing acid. They're not knife. They're not, you know, having this faux trial that lasts 30 seconds and then suddenly, you know, you're being stoned to death. They're saying this man is a harasser. Women watch out for him. They're naming him. It's public shame. Just the same way it is the recent court case where the, where the judge said, well, maybe if you weren't at that bar, you wouldn't have been raped. Yeah. Yay. Somebody's actually placing the blame, um, where it belongs. Yay for Egypt! Yes, so uh, I, I hope that this continues in a manner that is safe for for them, because there, there is a uh, the obvious slippery slope problem where they make a mistake or they become too violent or you can you, you can right. see where, where this thing. So I hope it, it maintains on a certain level and better yet that people realize that they're going to be shamed and they stop. Yeah. Well, that's like... <laughs> that would be the best thing. Right. Oh, this is, they realize this is not acceptable. Let Maybe me think I about shouldn't. for, I don't know, a quarter of a second, use the brain. Well, it's like the whole principle, and I'm going to just totally side on this, but like the whole principle with Kiva loans. Kiva loans are these, you know, these small loans in an area that, you know, really can't afford it. Microloans. The microloans. Yeah. But what they're designed to do is if somebody in that village, say, gets a microloan of $200 for a new cow and he doesn't pay it back, they let the whole village know. And that village works to correct that behavior. Mm-hmm. Not through beatings and through trials and everything else, but the public shame. Right. There you go. It works. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yes. All right. Well, that. Let me see. So we've we've talked about uh, we've talked about uh, bones in the ground, and we've talked about Bigfoot, and now we've talked about people getting spray painted. Sounds like a full episode to me. Right. So we've uh, d- talked about that. Let's talk about. Uh, speaking about apes, intelligent design. <laughs> uh, we 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 covered this uh, last year, I guess. No, no, April. April, yeah. April, yeah, because that's when the lawsuit came out. Um, a former computer specialist uh, at NASA's uh, JPL Jet Propulsion. Jet Propulsion Laboratory. You mean not the John Peace Library? No, exactly. Yeah, I make that mistake all the time. Uh, yeah. John Peace Library is a library at UTSA, University of Texas at San Antonio, which is my current uh, graduate school. Um, so this guy... Uh, uh, Coppage. 
Coppage. What's his first name? David. David Coppage. He claimed that he was let go from JPL because of his belief in intelligent design. Turned out, not, not so, so much, much his belief in intelligent design. It's just that, one, he wouldn't shut up about it. And uh, two, he actually wasn't doing his work. Yeah, um, the quote, er, according to ABC News, um, Judge Ernest Hiroshigi said Thursday that he was leaning in favor of JPL's argument that David Coppage instead was let go because he was combative and did not keep his skills sharp. Yep. And this is important if you're going to work at a place that, I don't know, lands a fucking Your rover movie. on Mars by seven minutes of terror. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you kind of need to know what you're doing when you work there. And if this guy wasn't keeping his skills up, and apparently from all indications, he was written up, he was given warnings, and he decided that he didn't have to obey the warnings, and so he was let go. Okay, um, basically, if you ignore the warnings because you think your religious belief allows you to ignore the warnings, you're still ignoring the warnings. And so it's not your religious belief that it is the reason that you're being let go. Yeah. Although from your side of it, it's your religious belief because you're letting right. it go. But from the company's side of it, it's because you're an asshole. Right, because he would, he engaged his coworkers in conversation about it. He handed out DVDs on the topic. Oh, yeah, sorry, that is being a dick. Yeah, that's harassment. And in case you didn't know it, you should just. That, this is why everyone says that religion is a personal thing, and it is. Right. So at work, shut up about it. Right. You know, the JPL attorney said that he was stubborn, a disconnected employee. He did not heed warnings to get additional training. And when it became clear the Cassini mission would be downsized, his position was eliminated. Yeah. Yeah. You, you it, When that happens, you, you get rid of the... Okay. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah. And the squeaky wheel also gets removed and replaced with another wheel. Right. And the thing about it is, is that he wants, you know... Yes, if that is your belief that intelligent design or, I don't know, little tiny robots built the world, whatever, fine, have that. But at work, especially, oh, say, when you're working in a scientific (laughs) lab, get with the fucking program. (laughs) You know, I know that as an anthropologist, I have to do constant research to keep up my skills and my knowledge of what is going on. Because anthropology didn't stop once you graduated. Right. (laughs) You know, there is this thing, uh, I've lost the term, but basically, you know, this, you know, the constant updating of what you know. Well, let me give you an example. My my professors, my professors, my professors actually are older than me, (laughs) generally speaking. And when they graduated, they graduated with vacuum tubes, uh, tri- trivax, and and it, it ju- the integrated circuit with transistors were just coming out, if they were mentioned at all. So my professors had to keep their skills up. And now we've gone from uh, those to even smaller integrated circuits, right? And we're getting yeah, the atom it- switches. That's the cutting edge. You have to... You have to stay And current. if you're in technology... 
especially again, JPL, uh, they don't want to send out last year's technology. No. Um, unless this year's technology absolutely doesn't work. So you have to stay up on your programming skills because there's always a different language that makes things more efficient. There's new chips with maybe a, a, a better uh, program set. There anyway. is always advancement. Yes. And that if you don't keep up with it, that advancement is going to leave you behind. Yes. That is what happened in this case. It just was the added fact that he was an asshole about it. Yeah. Let's I, just... I do know, I do know one, uh, one time when it's absolutely imperative, I think, that you talk about your religion. And that's and, if you're at church. Right. Or at church or, or a priest. Or work for uh, the, the the DI the church, yeah, or the the, the Discovery the, Institute. Discovery Institute, sure. Yeah, or if you're a creation scientist, yeah, at the Creation Scientist Dis- Museum, for example, yeah. or I should but, say, showcase. Yeah, because it really is it's not a museum. No ride. We call it a ride. Yeah, well, Apparently, it's it's got um like. Animatronics and everything. Yeah, but it's not a museum because uh, it, 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 it's basically a really creepy version of "It's a Small World." <laughs> it's, it's it's like a it's like a haunted house, uh, only it's scary. <laughs> only people really believe it. Yeah, scary. Anyway, but so, you can ride a dinosaur while you're there. Uh, if if you are a child. Oh. Peasy Myers shouldn't have got on that Triceratops. Bad Peasy, bad, bad no donut. Bad. So, uh, yay, yay for yay for the law. Yay for the law. Das Gesetz does das Gesetz. And uh, sorry, Mr. Coppage, but you just you don't win. Yeah, you fail. You. I guess my whole issue is, and we see this all the time, is that you know. If there is a way to spin it to religious persecution by the Christians, that's what they love. Yeah. And it's guess- so much, it's so good to be oppressed. Because then you have you can have you can be righteously indignant. I always hate it when I get my righteous indignation up and then I realize I'm wrong. Yeah. Because then I've built up this full head of steam and I'm just like, well crap. <laughs> now I have to be nice. Yeah. It happens and, all the time. Well, apparently <laughs> David Poppage wasn't that nice. Uh, he just he just had the full head of steam and everything yeah. else. And away they go. go. So I guess I have to mention something in the in the show notes about the dogs this week since it's been so long. They finally get a shout out. Oh, and and we could have Big Board. Oh, damn. No, I say keep up. Oh, we'll just leave that. Sure. Okay. Because uh, that's what we are. Yeah. <laughs> only only we're. Only two thirds of it this week. Yeah, but that's the evil. That's the middle name. Evils on the road. Evils on the road. That's <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, Greg will be here next week, and Donna may or may not. But I will try not. and Skype in. I will actually be on the East Coast visiting family. Huh. So right on. Where where at in the East Coast? Uh, Maryland. Maryland. It's going to be Baltimore. cold. I'm looking forward to that, actually. <laughs> this whole fucking 80-degree weather still. I'm like, it's November, people. You know what? Global warming. Don't get a problem with it. No, it's not global warming. It's, always, it's been that way. I know. It's Texas. It's San Antonio. 
It's South Texas. Texas. Yeah. It'll get cold here in a couple of weeks. And I can't wait. I can, because I'm riding my motorcycle. Except this week. I get the sexy mom mobile without the mom. (laughs) Well, you know, we'll just call it the sin bin and you can move right along. Sin bin. I like that. Um, the, the problem, the problem I have with, with driving my, my minivan, because that's the sexy mom mobile with that mom, um, is I've been riding my motorcycle every day since, since summer school. And so I'm, I'm driving in and every time I get to my normal turn, I want to turn and I just have in my head this vision of me driving my van into the motorcycle parking lot. Which it fits about twelve and just parking. <laughs> Smack dab in the middle, right of- in the middle of this. Going, what? I always drive my motorcycle. This is- <laughs> Why is this a problem? <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, they, like the last- there might be some motorcycle riders that might get a little pissed off. Yeah, I've I've seen they they would kick my ass. I I think that you get white spray paint on your that's, your a, that's fine. It's paid for. I don't care. Okay, as long as they don't slash the tires. But yeah, so it, I, this, this happens all week. This is all, all week. My my motorcycle's getting fixed. You, yeah. So you know, pray for my motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. I think this is the end. And on that note, we will talk with you next, next week. week. Take care. Take care, folks. Ciao. <laughs> Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. So, you have your, you have a hole uh, uh, on your arm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know my shirt has a hole. Uh, she was she was doing the touchdown thing and the, was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know my shirt has a hole okay. in it. I don't really care. Yeah, I'll cut that out because I'm technically on vacation. Yay! Um, so birthdays. Birthdays. <laughs> How many times have I said that so far? In fact, we're never going to do the birthdays. They were just going to pretend that they're they're our birthdays. Uh, what's this guy's person's name? Dikakis. D-I-K... <laughs> Hold on. D-I-K-I-K-A-S, baby. Okay. Otherwise known as... Do it again. Okay. No, it's Dikakis. D-I-K... <laughs> okay.